0: Good morning, brothers and sisters, friends, family, and guests. Uh, Welcome to our live stream, uh, our sermon this morning at Newbury Church. My name is Pastor Lance, and I am so grateful to uh, be before you this morning uh, in the house of the Lord. And I'm grateful to see my brothers and sisters here uh, who've come from many different parts of Louisville, uh, many different parts of Kentucky and uh, just to be here this morning, gathered under the sound of the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage us this morning, as Brother John uh, reminded us that um, we are here uh, to receive the Word, that we are here um, to just be encouraged by the Lord. And it's a time when we can be easily distracted uh, with the things around us, but I want to focus our eyes and focus our heart on Jesus this morning. And I was out telling the flock actually before we went live, is that this smile, this, this joy that, that I am giving, it's not fake because it's, it's placed in Jesus, and he's not fake. And, but it's not a reflection of who I am apart from Christ. And I can tell you right now that apart from Christ, um, my joy is inadequate. And so I just want to edify us this morning uh, with the word of the Lord uh, from Paul's letter to, to Thessalonians. Um, and I hope it's an encouraging word this morning. I hope it's word that uh, not only presents truth but leads us to biblical transformation, Amen. Our word this morning comes from First Thessalonians five, and I'll be looking at chapters uh, chapter five, verses one through eleven. First Thessalonians five, verses one through eleven. And if you would, please stand. I think we did that at home and and here last week, because while we are not at full capacity, God's word is still strong. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 11. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters... You do not need anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light. And children of the day, we do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love, and a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to salvation. For God did not, for God did not appoint us to wrath. He did, he did give us salvation through his son. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to abstain, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that we neither are awake or asleep. We may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another, and build each other up as you are already doing. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for the fellowship. of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Of how you invite us into that fellowship. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. Dying on the cross. And even if it had to be a perfect sacrifice, Father. It couldn't be a halfway sacrifice. It couldn't be a three-quarter sacrifice. It couldn't be a mostly good Monday through Saturday sacrifice. It was a sacrifice of a man who who lived the life that we could not live and died the death that we deserve. Thank you, Father, for inviting us into this moment through your word as we examine Paul's words to the church in Thessalonica, Father, and that we would be encouraged and edified and transformed by the renewing of our minds through your word, Father. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And I want to title this sermon this morning, The Day of the Lord. The Day of the Lord. It's hard to wait. It's hard to wait. I can remember going to visit my pediatrician on the south side of Chicago as a young man, as a child, as a baby. And what I remember vividly in this moment, and even I was preparing for this text about waiting. I would walk in with my grandmother, and it would be many colors, uh, many sounds. The chairs had those rubber, um, rubber, rubber seals on the bottom so kids wouldn't just run them up. And I remember there were so many toys. They were like the toys that you lift up and put back down with many colors. It wasn't really that comfortable in the waiting room. But it was, it was a lot of things happening. There were other children crying. You might have had a fever. I didn't have chicken pox I was 25, so I didn't have that. But it was a lot of distractions there. It seemed like when you walk in and you were waiting on the pediatrician and maybe even the doctor, it just took forever. Like, man, we've been here forever. My appointment was at 1 o'clock, and it's 1.50, and I want to go to Dunkin' Donuts, Grandma. And the children would maybe act a fool, simply put. I remember being chastised and disciplined, waiting on the doctor to come out. I remember just being so distracted with everything else around me that going to see the doctor for immunization was not even that important anymore. I was just in a room with kids and children in a small space, in a lit room, uh, playing with toys, getting in trouble. As I got older, I would bring books. I would bring my health insurance card. I would answer the questions accordingly. I would reluctantly pull out the copay for whatever it was. I was more focused on seeing the doctor for a specific reason. Lance, as an immature kid, could care less about why he was there unless he really felt bad. But Lance, as an adult, knows why he's at the doctor's office. And why he's waiting, more importantly, to see the good doctor. New breed, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, Thessalonians. There's two books of it, first and second. I'll be in the first. Just to give a little context, Thessalonica was the second largest city in Greece. They had a highway and they had a river or water next to it which made it a city that could be easily populated because people could get there and there could be trade and commerce around them but the beauty about this is he didn't write this letter if you examine it to contest any bad theology he didn't write this letter if you examine it to contest any bad actions of the church through discipline he wasn't necessarily rebuking harshly the leaders But it was no less important to Paul to write to the church in Thessalonica to remind them that the return of Christ was a very important subject matter. Paul was reminding the church in Thessalonica there was a way to wait faithfully on the good doctor in the waiting room. And to be more theologically direct, the Lord's return is imminent. And there's a way that we should wait on the good doctor. We can wait in obedience, or we can wait in disobedience. And we have to transform our minds on how we view waiting. Waiting for the Lord is not a passive act. It's not sitting down in a chair, looking at the sky, waiting for the clouds to break, and for a music ensemble to break out. Waiting is no passive matter. But I want to remind us that any waiting on the Lord should always be with sound living, sound teaching, and sound community. There's an active nature to the believers waiting, as we will see in what Paul has to say to the Thessalonians. Even if we think we have the market cornered on on multi-ethnic church, on diverse church, on theology, on gathering, on children, on how we read to our children, on how we do music. That's not the end of it. We wait faithfully with instructions from the Word of God. And I was thinking about us this morning, New Breed, and even all week as Pastor Michael charged me to preach these two weeks, I was thinking, you know what? I see a lot of new breed in in the church in Thessalonica, as I just said. I think if you look from the outside, we are the most uh, diverse, ethnically diverse church in the Commonwealth. Um, You see our, our beliefs on the website, and I would say they align with Scripture. I believe if you walk in here, you won't be cursed out that you will be loved well. and We do a lot of things well, but that's not enough. That's not the point that Paul is driving home. We do it well, so let's just wait on Jesus. That's not the point this morning. The point is Jesus is coming back imminently at any moment. And so as we get into the text, my first um, point to write down or to kind of keep track with this morning is faithful waiting begins with faith in the Word of God. Faithful waiting begins with faith in the word of God. And let me just jump back to those first two verses there about the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters. You do not need anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Now, you say. Faith in the Lord begins with faith in the Word of God, but they don't need anything written to them. Isn't that kind of counter to what you're saying? No, because guess what they would have had prior to this letter being written to them? Written to them? They would have had the Old Testament. And you say, well, how does Jesus come back in the Old Testament? We don't even hear his name. Well, brothers and sisters, I, I, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. Um, Faith in the word of God was paramount to this church. And they knew that Isaiah 13, 9 through 11 was a real thing. They knew that the Old Testament was a con- maybe Jesus like concealed, and the New Testament was Jesus revealed, but they still nonetheless had faith that there would be the coming of the Lord. Isaiah 13, 9 through 11. Well... Now that's sadness, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty, therefore, everyone's hands will become weak, and every man will lose heart. They will be horrified, pain and agony will seize them. They will be in anguish, like a woman in labor. They will look at each other, their faces flush with fear. Look, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury. And burning anger to make the earth a desolation and to destroy its sinners. Indeed, the stars of the sky and its constellations galaxies will not give their light. The sun will be dark when it rises and the moon will not shine. I will punish the world for its evil and wicked people for their iniquities. I will put an end to the pride of the arrogant and humiliate the insolence of tyrants. Now you say, what does that have to do with what Paul is saying? The church at Thessalonica... I believe, we believe, would have had this faith in in Isaiah. They know that when Jesus comes a second time, that he will bring this world to its appropriate end. And they have nothing to fear. That they have read the law. Yes, they would have had the law. And they believe the law. And they believed in the coming. And I would even say, as, as we would get into this, the second coming of Christ Jesus And I would point to John the Baptist for an example. He was what we would consider somebody in the intertestamental period. I mean, he was in the New Testament, but clearly he was born, um, I guess, around the same time as Jesus, maybe a few months apart, a few days apart. But he was looking for Jesus. And I believe that he knew Jesus was coming back even a second time. It's not enough to have heard the truth and recognize it. We have to lean on it. In such a way that if it doesn't hold up, we're living as those who are to be pitied, as Paul states in Corinthians, as it relates to the resurrection and the second coming of Christ, I would say. Paul hints that a Thessalonian church is aware of the truth. Now, why would Paul be that confident in the church knowing about the imminent return of Christ? Because they had the word of God. They knew he was coming back. And that was the call that he gave them. And to address this false piece of of security, um, the best picture I can give you right now is when my daughter Mahalia was born. We were at home laboring and we had a birth plan. And when Theo was born, we knew that from uh, the time my wife's water broke, we had about nine hours to kind of get clothes on, get dressed. I could eat, get some water. It wasn't that simple and smooth, but it was a night. We had a lot of time, almost like a half a day. And so this time, this past April 2nd, 2020, my wife's water broke again. And so I'm thinking, I have time to go get something to eat, you know, know, kind of get everything ready. And um, I said, hey, well, why don't I go get the van and and Candace, you get dressed, and the doula was there, uh, kind of like a midwife, essentially, um, (laughs) and I said, all right, look, I'm gonna go get dressed. You want some clothes, honey? Uh, you know, all right, let's go. The doula looked at me and said, we're not leaving this bathroom. If we leave this bathroom, we won't make it to the hospital. This baby is coming now, and so naturally, um, I went through the dad panic, and, uh, When 911, the the EMS operator, asked me to find a uh, sterile shoestring, I said, I don't have any sterile shoestrings. So, but the point is, we don't know. But it doesn't mean that we are hopeless. It doesn't mean that we are hopeless. The world doesn't know. Because they think, you know what? Like Brother John said, I'll just wait. I'll just wait to get right in my mid-20s and 30s when I have children. The unfortunate reality of those seeking to establish heaven on earth with a humanistic love is pitiful. Faith in the coming of of the Lord begins and will always begin with submitting oneself to the Word of God regardless of circumstance. Submitting oneself to the triune God of the universe whether it be from Genesis to Revelation. All of his Word should be inerrant in the believer's heart. We don't take it for granted. The word of God is free from any flaw or error, as Paul says in 2 Timothy, right for all teaching. The truth of God is not some of this and some of that. It's an all-consuming presence in the believer's heart mind, and soul. Imagine getting half baptized with a finger. Can't do it. No faith is an act of let me see it first and then figure it out, and I'll place it in its rightful spot in eternity. Our faith is placed in eternal hope and the person and the work of Jesus Christ as we believe his second coming is imminent at any moment in time. So brothers and sisters, we know, we have heard whether it be from this pulpit or from our experience growing up in the Word of God, primarily as, reading, as, Bible, as a Bible-reading church, we know, like the Thessalonians, that he's coming back, and we can place our faith in that. Faithful waiting begins with faith in the Word of God. Verses 3 through 8, my second point. Faithful waiting brings security to the believer's heart. Faithful waiting brings security security to the believer's heart. And it reads, When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark, for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. In this text, sleeping isn't necessarily physical sleep, but it is a life that is not in submission to the truth of God as evidenced by one's walk with God. We know that light and darkness is all throughout the Bible in word, and those who walk in the light are those in in the church. We know that if we walk in the light, that there is no fear for us. And I know it says those who get drunk at night, but that's not the point. The point is, we as a church, as believers we can put our everlasting hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. But it also calls us to live a certain way, to be ready when he comes. And it's not a, I'm ready with my car running or with my my shoes on. No, it is a disposition of the heart that God will come back. And as a result of me believing that, I'm going to come here this morning to see God's people and to hear from God through his word. That's our hope. The comfort of Christ. The comfort is in Christ's coming. The comfort is in us believing Christ is coming back. First Thessalonians 4.13. We, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then... We who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That is so encouraging. Maybe a little confusing for a lot of us. But I look at, we will always be with the Lord. Now, just to kind of give you a little context as I was preparing for this, um, this could mean a few different things to your theological school of thought, and I'll just kind of make it plain and simple. Um, For some people who study the Word of God over the course of human history, they feel like the day of the Lord um, will mean straight judgment for those who don't believe. And we won't necessarily be here, uh, but we will be raptured Uh, for others It means that uh, the Lord's reign will be a thousand years, and we will be here as a part of that. But even in that, we have nothing to fear, because there's security in knowing that the Lord will bring this world to its appropriate end. And just for pastoral purposes, I believe that we will be a part of that. Now, maybe you can walk me off that point. I believe we will be a part of the tribulation. I don't necessarily see uh, a rapture uh, before, but, you know, What do I know? (laughs) I'm just the kind do it. But um, I just want to encourage us that we have security in what's happening even now, even with the financial markets, even with our our jobs, our homes. Maybe it's not enough to just believe it right now and, and to know it, but to go home and and look at our families, and look at our friends, and look at our our parents, and and say, you know what, the Lord is coming back. What do we do about that? Maybe if we say it out loud, the Lord is coming back at any moment, and we're going to be with him forever. What do we do about that? How does that affect my disposition towards work, towards what I see on television, towards those I greet? And when we do find that, that friend at work or in the community who says, you know, if we could just get so-and-so in office, things will change. Maybe on a, on a praxis level, day-to-day, you know, maybe, sure. And there's no, no evil in that necessarily. But if that's the end of the hope, then that's false peace and false security. If we want to sanitize our world and city of, of any evil for the sake of, 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 of law, There is no hope and security in that. If our looking to a better day isn't bookended with the second coming of Christ, then there is no hope and security in any of that. Because just like the text says, for those who don't know him, and as Brother John reminded us, it's going to be too late when the trumpet sounds. It's not going to be, hold on, wait, let me get in Sunday school one more time. Those labor pains, I don't know anything about that, but I've just observed. They just come on you. You can't stop them. You can't tell them what to do. They come when they want. A thief, I mean, he comes when he wants. But we can be informed, brothers and sisters, with hope. And we don't have to grieve like everyone else. We grieve, but it is in a way that our grieving points us to the cross. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again and he will come the same way through Jesus, man, we can go to sleep right now. And if he comes back, there's nothing to worry about for the believer. Faithful waiting brings security to the believer's heart. It brings security to our heart. Point three, verses nine through 11. Faithful waiting has a communal and personal call to obedience. Faithful waiting has a communal and personal call to obedience. I love this. Verse nine. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. And this, this is the point that, that I really thought about as I was preparing this message in, li- in light of just where we are as a society, and, and not just how many people are here, because that's understandable in light of sickness and, and just loving our brothers and neighbors, but how we commune. Has our transgression, if you will, has our sin, has our brokenness on this side of heaven in this particular season, whether it's whether it be just body brokenness or, or an act of, of, of sin or even just disbelief? Has it called us, caused us to pull away from one another? Because I don't see that here. I don't see that here. Our view of community has a lot to do with how we see our own salvation. As Brother John reminded us last week, we are called to something, not away. Yes, when we submit to the lordship of christ he changes our heart and he gives us new desires but he gives us new desires and i desire carlos fellowship with carlos i desire to play softball with stacy i do but even in that we can chop it up about the word i'm not just being sanctified on an island <laughs> or, or on the Ohio river you know i'm just not like that's not how it works A pastor friend used to say, you can't ignore the one and others of Scripture and say we don't have to meet. You can't. You can't. Now, I get it in the context of where we are as society and even just as a country and a church, like it's hard to, to like be around in, in close proximity, and I'm not pushing for close proximity packed to the house. What I am pushing for is pursuit of a brother in a God-honoring and safe way, pursuit of a sister in a God-honoring and safe way, and I will call out in a good way and exhort our sisters. Uh, my wife left the house, and the kids didn't sleep, and I took them to the park, not knowing that the ladies of New Breed would be there. And I saw them, and I was like, how beautiful. There was some music playing, and I don't know whose music that was. But that's not the important part. They were there, gathered out in the open, safely, distance. And I'm just so encouraged by that. Because you didn't know what I was preaching this morning. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing We have to gather, whether it's here, whether it's on Zoom, whether it's a phone call, whether it's from a distance on like from the street to the curb to the porch. I need you and you need me. This is a mark of a church who is ready to receive the Lord when he's come back. We gather. And like I said before, when we are saved, we are saved to something. We're saved to fellowship. Think about salvation for a second. Think about one's journey from, from walking in the dark to walking in the light. You are ignorant of the truth, and you can't get right, <laughs> whether it's Romans 3.23 or whatever. like you, you, you are a sinner. You're born that way, and your throat is an open grave. There's nothing you can do about that. But when you put your hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not saying, hey, I'm changing you to sit in your room and read only, but I'm changing you so you can go tell people about me, and they will see me, and they will be changed as well. There's fellowship from the moment we believe, whether it's fellowship with the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, because we believe that we get the Spirit upon confession of faith. And then we gather. And then we go out. There's fellowship there. We, find, we go fishing. We fish for those who don't know Jesus. No, that's corny. But it's true. If, it's, if we put our nets over here, he said, go there. We put our nets over here. And we don't look at him like he's crazy. Sometimes we do. But that's, that's obedience. We gather together. We, we pursue fellowship it's a covenantal community of faith. Not a legalistic community that we just signed the church covenant and we agreed to it. That's legalistic. That we, I'm not, We're not calling nobody out because, oh, well, you signed the church covenant, so come on. No, I need you. We're covenanted together through the blood of Christ. That's more than any uh, pen, felt-tip pen that I could use. Regardless of the season, my salvation doesn't end at a simple profession. My salvation is walked out amongst you so you can edify me and I can edify you. And together we won't be asleep. Biblical community is a Bible thing, whether it's in the garden, in a tabernacle, in a synagogue, at Peter's mother-in-law's house, At Newbury Church in the desert, whether it's John, I love this one, John on the island of Patmos is sent away by the government because he's acting a fool, and they they put him in exile. And he's still writing hot fire Christocentric letters, pun intended. He pursued community. He was called by God to, like, pen that letter in isolation to say, you know what? Here's what's about to happen. And I can't be there, but I need you to know this. Has anyone ever got dressed for a homecoming party? Not with the negative connotations, but think about just getting dressed. You put on good shoes, good clothes, You find some good perfume, some good smell good. You do everything you can to look the part. You do everything you can to go dressed appropriately for the occasion. And I'm going to read something to us in in, in light of that. Because I almost named this this sermon something different. (laughs) But since we belong to the day... Let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. We got to get dressed. We can get dressed. The armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. And I can't do that apart from you. So when we get dressed, we come together. To express our faith and love for Him. And to live out our salvation by the one and others of Scripture. By, by gathering together at somebody's mother-in-law's house, in an open field, at a church, on an island called Hawaii. Whatever you want to do, we can gather. But we are called to gather. And in that, it's how we get dressed for the homecoming. Jesus is coming back, we have every reason to be hopeful for that. The day of the Lord for us does not bring grief and sadness like in Isaiah, but what it does is it's, it directs our hope and our actions and our intentionality and our support and love for one another and our community for one another. So let me encourage you this morning, My wife shared with me some Facebook posts from from our church, and I don't have Facebook, but uh, as she was sharing, my heart was grieved a little bit, but I'm thinking, man, what if we fix our eyes on the day of the Lord for a moment in time? And it's not something that's way yonder, and I know the world can look at us like we crazy at times, but it's not something that's way yonder. There is a tangible, eternal hope that should fill our hearts minds and souls and lead us to right fellowship with God in one another. We need biblical community at Newbury Church. We need biblical community as a believer because we're called to get dressed for a homecoming. Faithful waiting has a communal and personal call to obedience. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to bring this thing to a close, and I just want to encourage us that we need one another in this season. And needing one another starts with how God has has called us through his word. God says that we are image bearers made in his image, in his likeness. And as we prepare for communion, I'm going to flip over to 1 Corinthians.